you are constrained by how much uh, mass or weight you can send, how big your instrument can be, and you have to compromise on performance typically. So are you going to be able to hold yourself back from just watching this live feed 24-7? It sounds like there's just a, a chance for discovery at any moment. It's every day is a new adventure. It's a, almost like a new mission. So uh, there is a temptation to actually over, overwork, right? By early 30s or mid 30s, uh, there will be humans working on Mars, uh, learning things that we couldn't do with robots. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Today, NASA expects to land its rover Perseverance on Mars. That's seven months after takeoff. And few people will be monitoring the situation as closely as a small group of scientists in South St. Louis. Those scientists are part of the team helping NASA decipher the rover's findings. And they have another mission as well, a mission that involves building better sensors for future missions. And joining us today to talk about it is Pablo Sobron. He is the founder of Impossible Sensing. So Pablo, welcome. Hey, Sarah. Happy to be here. So the Mars rover is set to land this afternoon. That'll be 2.55 p.m. Central Time. How excited are you about that? I can't wait, really. It's been seven years in the wedding, uh, and it's just today's the day. So I have to ask you, could something still go catastrophically wrong at this point? Uh, well, <laughs> that's, that's the $2 billion question. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, uh, the mission is so complicated. So many people have worked so hard to make sure that when you enter the atmosphere of Mars, uh, everything goes to plan and you land uh, safely and, and, and no hiccups happen. Mm -hmm. Now, there's always the risk that you know one sensor didn't deploy or one parachute didn't do its job. Uh, but we're pretty confident this will happen. Uh, but you know the problem? The problem here is that we will not know if something goes very wrong until seven minutes after this happened. Uh, remember that Mars is a quarter billion miles away from Earth. Mm. So uh, light takes seven minutes almost to travel back and forth. So uh, what we're, we're going to be listening uh, from the rover when it safely lands, that's happened in the past seven minutes ago. So this is what we call the seven minutes of terror. Because <laughs> it's a we, great term we, right there. Yeah, because we, we know this should have landed, but we will not know for seven minutes. So that's nail-biting, nail uh, for sure. Yeah. So when we say it's going to land at 2.55 Central Time, we won't know for another seven minutes after that, or that's when we expect to receive the bulletin back at Earth? That's when we expect to receive the, the hello world, I'm on Mars, all good. And so when you get the signal from Mars, at that point, will it immediately begin um, transmitting data of, of what it's seeing there? Yeah, so actually for the first time, uh, NASA is going to be broadcasting uh, as soon as we can uh, the video of the landing event. So uh, we have cameras on the belly of the of the lander, and it's going to be shooting a zoom-in approach on the surface as it's landing. So uh, that'll be the first data product that the world will be able to see. And when you say this is video, this is video as we would think of video here on Earth. It's going to be a, a motion picture. It is a motion picture. It's not 4K quite yet, but uh, but it will be clear and, and 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 crisp enough to to see the features of Mars being zoomed in and being becoming more and more clear as we close in. Hmm. So your team at Impossible Sensing, you're involved with analyzing these videos and analyzing this data. What are you supposed to be looking for or doing with that data that's being transmitted back to Earth? Well, so this mission is uh, is expected to find uh, key. 
uh, key places or key locations on Mars uh, where we think life may have happened in the past. Hmm. Uh, so the sensors we're going to be working uh, with, um, they are specifically designed uh, to look for uh, what we call the biosignatures. Is these uh, properties of the minerals and materials that have clues as to whether there was life there in the past. So that's the main purpose of the mission and the main uh, science objectives of the sensors we're working with. So you're looking for life in the past. And in your professional opinion, is there any chance that there's life there in the present tense? Uh, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the more we, we learn about Mars with missions, uh, the more we learn that the ecosystems underneath uh, may be possible. And when I say underneath, I say uh, a few centimeters or meters or kilometers below the surface of Mars. Uh, hmm. Mars is very, very harsh environment, as you know, uh, cold, a lot of radiation, uh, very harsh. Uh, so uh, for bacteria or life to survive today, um, uh, they probably have to find uh, what we call the habitability niches. So are these cozy places where there is the right conditions, temperature, pressure, water, where they could inhabit. But we know this could happen in the subsurface. And is this something that will be apparent on these videos that are that are being relayed back? Or is this happening at such a level of uh, minuteness that the, the human eye won't be able to see it? Well, the human eye won't, but the rover eye will. Uh, hmm. I think that the, we're, we're sending cameras there that are uh, a bit more advanced than your normal photo camera. Uh, and it, they can see things in, uh, in the spectrum of light that is beyond our, our human eye. Uh, but in case, in case the surface doesn't have anything evident, uh, the rover has a drill, it has a tool that can actually uh, extract material uh, down to six inches on the surface. So that subsurface uh, material, that's what we think is the, is the jackpot uh, for us. So are you going to be able to hold yourself back from just watching this live feed 24-7? It sounds like there's just a, a chance for discovery at any moment. It's every day is a new adventure. It's a, almost like a new mission. So uh, there is a temptation to actually over overwork, right, uh, the shifts and, mm -hmm. and spend more and more time every day. But uh, that's what uh, gets the community and the planetary science uh, team uh, super excited is that discovery uh, potential that we have on Mars now. So Impossible Sensing is working on analyzing what comes in, but you really see your ultimate mission as building the sensors that gather the data. And this would be sort of a version 2.0 of the version that's there now. How far along are you on that version 2.0? Well, actually, that's a very good question, Sarah. And I think, uh, you know, when people think about and see missions to space, and uh, all these missions have been on the drawing board for 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how long it takes from going to the napkin uh, concept that you draw in the bar with your friend to actually uh, landing on Mars like we're doing today. Uh, so uh, Impossible has been alive for, for five years. Uh, and uh, now we're halfway uh, to the place where we can actually uh, uh, land our assets on other planets. Uh, so I, I would say by mid by the mid-20s, uh, Impossible will have uh, our own instruments built here in St. Louis, uh, deployed on, on other planets. Wow, that's so exciting. And, and what do you see your instruments doing that the ones currently on this rover uh, don't already do? Well, so we're, we're enhancing the sensitivity mostly. So, uh, so one of the things that happens on space is that uh, you are constrained by how much uh, mass or weight you can send, how big your instrument can be, and you have to compromise on performance typically. So uh, what our team here is doing is inventing uh, new technologies that will allow us to preserve the sensitivity and the performance of the best tools we have today in the lab, uh, but 
uh, operate them on other planets. Hmm. What are some of the complications with getting a great sensor that works on Earth um, working on Mars? So uh, to start with is the you know the whole launch from a platform on Earth, the whole rocket. Mm -hmm. Think about this: you are sitting sitting on a on a tower of of, of an explosive bomb, basically. <laughs> so the, so it's quite an image. The, the vibrations and the shock of the landing, oh, sorry, of the launch and the trip and the landing, uh, only that can unscrew any bolt that you can imagine you put in there. So uh, that's just one of them. Then you have the temperature, right? So you know you're working on. On, on Mars, for example, uh, things like minus 100 degrees uh, Celsius mm. uh, up to, if you're lucky, uh, just above freezing on a sunny day on the summer. Um, and then you have radiation effects and a vacuum as well. So uh, it is very, very different uh, than working in your lab. Hmm. So your company describes uh, what you're working on there as smart sensors that work anywhere. Do you see applications for places other than outer space for these? Uh, absolutely, Sarah. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, we are uh, some of our most advanced sensors uh, are going to be deployed in the ocean here on our own Earth. Uh, we found that uh, that uh, a lot of the things that we want to do in space can be simulated and and, and practiced here on our own planet. So uh, we're taking our instruments anywhere from the deep ocean uh, to the Arctic, Antarctica, volcanoes, lakes. Deserts, uh, the most extreme places on Earth. Uh, that's where we. Uh, that's where we do our science. Hmm. And with the oceans, for example, is this exploring for the the knowledge of what you gain from exploring, or are there practical applications maybe for the oil and gas industry or other industries? Uh, well, yes, uh, but consider even more more more, more profoundly uh, that uh, we know more about uh, the moon, at least the surface, than we do about the seafloor. Hmm. Uh, our ocean is broadly unexplored because it's very difficult and costly to 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 work under pressure uh, in the deep sea so um our our approach here is we're trying to to democratize the ocean in a way that uh, allows to scientists to look for new species in the seafloor um, allows for uh, governments to preserve the the ocean as a ecosystem that is very important for humankind so uh yeah beyond industrial applications like you say oil gas exploration and looking for for things in places where you couldn't do before we see our tools as a, as helping uh, scientific endeavors and environmental applications here on earth Hmm. We actually have a caller here who has a question for you. I think this is a pretty good question. So I'm going to go to the phone lines. Uh, Mike is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Mike, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, thanks so much. Yeah, I hear so many programs about the uh, mission to Mars, and I'm excited about exploring that uh, via robots and then the other way. But the idea of human going to Mars or anywhere in deep space uh, is to me somewhat absurd. Uh, as as we are we are headed virtually uh, to a point of uh, what's what's called the singularity, where in the future we may be virtual and uh, we will not need to have the biology sent anywhere. Uh, so the whole idea of trying to discover some place in the universe that has water and habitable places. It's absurd. I wonder what your, what your guest thinks about the idea. Well, Mike, thank you for that question. So Mike thinks it's absurd to send a manned mission to Mars. Pablo, do you share that skepticism? So, uh, Mike, that is a very good question and valid question. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree uh, on that and uh, for two reasons, mainly. Uh, first one is that uh, the science and the discovery that we can do with robots, uh, uh, it's very limited. Uh, humans move faster. Uh, humans can make decisions 
uh, way better than robots hmm. today. Uh, now, uh, of course, humans need to breathe and need to sleep and 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 you know uh, uh, need other things. So it's way more complicated to send humans than it is to send robots. Uh, but we're gonna do it uh, a because. Uh, we can do better science, but B, and perhaps more profoundly, more importantly, is because us as humans, uh, what we do well, what we do best, is explore the unexplored. Uh, this is our DNA. This is what we've done for ever since we've been humans. And this is what we'll continue to do in space as well. So you'd like to see men um, carrying on this mission on Mars. They can do some things that even these amazing sensors can't. Absolutely, and I I'm fir- fir- firmly believe that uh, by early 30s or mid 30s, uh, there will be humans working on Mars, uh, learning things that we couldn't do with robots. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank Mike for that question, and our guest today is Pablo Sobron. He's the founder and CEO of Impossible Sensing. They're located in the Cherokee Street District here in South St. Louis. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Pablo. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KW. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation. My guest today is Pablo Sobron. He's the founder and CEO of Impossible Sensing. It's located in South St. Louis. And Pablo, I'm curious to hear more about how this company came together. I understand that you founded this company with this goal, that you were going to build these sensors, that that you could do it better. What made you think, hey, this is something I can do? Absolutely. I think this is the... St. Louis is one of these places where... If you spend enough time here, you've encountered uh, crazy people, uh, you've encountered crazy ideas, and crazy, <laughs> crazy places to, to make them happen, right? So so what, what I found is that uh, being connected to St. Louis, and in particular to two, that's only three places right now, and first one was Washington University. Hmm. Uh, uh, it's something that most people in St. Louis don't realize, but uh, Washington U uh, has one of the top five departments in the country, in the world, actually. Um, for space sciences. So I was lucky enough to be recruited by WashU uh, to come to work here uh, more than 10 years ago. And, uh, and then the more involved I was in the city, uh, the more I realized that places like T-Rex downtown and, and now Nebula, uh, where we are hosted in South City, uh, enable companies like us uh, with big ideas, uh, big plans, big vision uh, to actually go and execute them. Uh, it's about the, the ability to take uh, high risks here in St. Louis. Uh, without the penalty that you get in other places in the country. So this was the perfect launch pad, uh, pun intended, uh, for for impossible sensing. So you are a native of Spain. When you first came to St. Louis, I assume that was uh, as you were at Washington University. W- was that a culture shock to be here in the Midwest? Uh, yeah, that was total total change of pace for me. Uh, I'm from a place near the ocean, uh, so being landlocked here mm. was the first, uh, the very first uh, uh, thing that shocked me. And flat, and the weather was a little bit extreme for me as well. But uh, but what I found is that um, uh, the people and and the community here was uh, very welcoming to 
to a foreigner like myself and gave me all the opportunities that I could to that I needed to to really develop my idea. Hmm. I hear sometimes that um, startups that are here, even if they're doing great work, they can get overlooked because the venture capitalists, the people that really fuel so much of this stuff, they just assume everybody should be in Silicon Valley. Has that at all been a challenge? Uh, yeah, it is a challenge in the sense that uh, in our line of business, uh, we're in space business. Uh, there is no really culture here in St. Louis to to really uh, accelerate and grow uh, space companies. So uh, we're taking the the hard way here, like most companies, uh, of just pushing hard and and eventually trying to carve a niche uh, for us, not just in the city or the region, but in the country itself um, to lead uh, a, a aerospace hub here uh, or space sciences hub rather uh, in St. Louis um, uh, from our own uh, operation. It's interesting because St. Louis does have a history of being really involved with the space program. Have you been able to draw on that at all, even as the rest of the city seems to have sort of shifted to talking about biotech? Oh, yeah, we have uh, actually, and this is one of the reasons why uh, WashU is so uh, such a powerhouse in space is uh, thanks to the McDonnell Douglas uh, Foundation, uh, who are the pioneers of some of the Apollo technologies that uh, eventually landed uh, men on the on the moon. So, uh, absolutely yes, and the talent pool that we have here in this region on uh, on uh, space uh, engineering and also sciences. It's second to none in hmm. the country, so uh, I'm absolutely drawing from from that uh, from that heritage. So there's no trouble finding the talent you want here. Uh, you're looking for space engineers. Is, is that a term? Are these people with backgrounds in, in physics or engineering? Uh, so, so we're not we're actually hiring uh, since you since you mentioned it uh, always because we're always looking for talent. But hmm. we're not limited to space engineers. Uh, we're limited to people that are hungry to uh, work in a very fast-paced environment, uh, in an environment that requires you to to be constantly challenged in the way you think about uh, our things. Uh, again, going back to how difficult it is to uh, to build hardware to work in space. Uh, so we're always, uh, our team is made of uh, engineers, uh, scientists, uh, and, uh, and, and, and other fields in between uh, that make this uh, the company that we are. Hmm. So you've got 10 people right now. Um, you said you're always hiring. Do you see yourself increasing that number, or are you just looking for the really good one person who might at some point come your way? Well, so I, uh, that's always a, a good question, and I have to look at the bank statements every month to make sure. We, 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 <laughs> that's smart. As, 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 as any entrepreneur will relate to, uh, but um, uh, yeah, so we're we're looking at perhaps uh, doubling our our staff uh, within the next uh, twelve to eighteen months. <laughs> and one thing that we're doing um, is we are connecting with local uh, universities, and we have uh, very strong uh, internship programs uh, uh, where we take on students uh, in sciences and engineering and give them a chance to learn hands-on experience on how a startup works and space company works. And then they can go back to the school and, 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 and use that to, to boost their careers. And so you're doing this great uh, research for NASA on this project, and, and you have these sensors that you hope to be ready in, in maybe five years from now. Do you have other products at this point that are bringing in revenue, or are you building towards uh, that future profitability? Uh, yeah, so uh, so we have three main, uh, as we call verticals in our business here, and of course space is the main driver for us. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, ocean exploration is becoming a, a very important activity for us, and 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 we're actually engaged now with government in a couple of contracts to uh, to deploy tools uh, in the seafloor. Uh, mm. The first one will be deployed this summer uh, of the coast of Oregon. And, uh, and, and also importantly, we are engaged now with uh, industrial partners uh, 
uh, most of them in the oil and gas industry, who are actually and actively taking steps towards reducing their environmental footprint. So we are providing services now and products to them to, uh, to mitigate the, the amount of methane and other greenhouse gases that they release and mm. also to, uh, to improve operations so as to minimize their, their environmental impact. Are, th- are these products different than sensors or also along that same vein? So, so they are all sensors, and uh, the one thing that we're best at here, uh, and I think that's something that uh, that people can relate to, is that uh, we are the ones who invent the new way of sensing things, and then we package it in different ways, uh, when it's for NASA, or when it's for Ocean, or when it's for, for a commercial partner. But it's the same platform technology, we just uh, use it differently. Hmm. We're talking to Pablo Sobron. He's the founder and CEO of Impossible Sensing. And Pablo, one other thing I wanted to ask you about today, something that certainly caught my attention. When people think about St. Louis startups, um, they think about Cortex. And you have chosen to be a few miles south of there. You're in and around Cherokee Street. Is it unusual to be an aerospace startup in a part of town that I think of as artists and, and musicians, people who are creative but creative in a different way? Yeah, well, actually, you hit the key point here, Sarah, is that uh, we are a creation company. We create new uh, new technologies. We think ourselves as artists, in a way. Hmm. So w- we found that Cherokee Street uh, in this community uh, is giving us access to uh, certain uh, skill sets and certain ways of thinking and going about developing technology that is unique to this part of town. Um, and we do have connections with Cortex. Uh, we have connections with T-Rex. And, but we find that uh, that South City, in particular Cherokee, gives us that uh, connection and that uh, community community access uh, to a group of people that uh, that typically do not uh, have input in technology, like artists. But in our company, this is the core of the design of the company of, of the instruments. It's creativity and and, uh, and and new concepts that are revolutionary. So you feel like that energy actually works better for you than if you were surrounded by, say, only physicists or only engineers? hundred percent. I think uh, we live now in a world, and especially now the last year, with, uh, with, uh, when most meetings and most work have, have been done remotely uh, for us and for most people, is that uh, you benefit and you do better things uh, when you bring in uh, disciplines that traditionally are outside scope of what you do. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is, again, one of the benefits of being in St. Louis and in particular in South City is that uh, uh, we can actually, uh, you know, taking the cliche from, from Silicon Valley where, uh, where people move fast and break things, uh, here what we're doing is we're moving fast and we're building things hmm. in ways that nobody can build before. Yeah. And so you're part of the Nebula family. That's the co-working space that's there on Cherokee. But I understand your lab, you've grown to the point your lab is in a separate space. And this is also super intriguing to me. This is a church basement. Uh, this is a, a, a former church, I should say, that's on Jefferson. It's a block south of Cherokee. When I think of church basement, man, I think of some days in my youth, just the opposite of high tech. What's it like down in this church basement where you guys are doing this work? Well, that's that's uh, another of these million-dollar questions. And uh, so we, uh, again, uh, through the unique connections that uh, Nebula has given us, uh, we, we we found an opportunity to expand. And what the basement of this church, uh, which, uh, by the way, before it was our lab, um, uh, was an event space. And, uh, so it's been remodeled and rebuilt 
into an area of collaboration. So open space, uh, it's all finished and it's all nice lighting. And, so and so good, not as grim uh, as, as what I may be picturing there. No, 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 no. Because, you know, think that all the work we do uh, with all these high-end optics and lasers, uh, things need to be clean, right? So uh, yeah. so, so we, we found this space was just perfect for us. So do you see yourself you're going to continue to work out of a church basement? Yeah. Uh, for now, we are. Uh, as I said before, we, we keep growing and we're hiring more people and we're looking into uh, expanding our, our lab uh, to, uh, to, to, to enable us to do bigger and better things. Hmm. Well, this is so exciting to hear about everything you're up to. And I want to mention, when, when you and I talked the other day, you mentioned that you had a previous startup and, and it was almost a failure of that startup that paved the way for this exciting work you're doing now. Does this feel different? Do you feel like this time I'm, I'm onto something, I see this taking off? Uh, yeah, I think this, you know, one of the things you learn uh, when you fail is that the next time you start something, you start from, from knowledge as, as opposed to start from scratch. So uh, you take the, that baggage, you take that lesson learned and develop something in a different way. And in this case, uh, I'm happy to say that I think we're past the, the classic startup moment where, you know, you're still trying the idea. Now we are in full growth expansion mode uh, in this company and and uh, you know I, I have to 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 give a hats off to to my former team at T-Rex and downtown who really helped me a start the company uh, in good footing this time uh, uh, knowing how to run a business and then eventually help me graduate and, and and we found a new space in Nebula where we're actually now growing. Hmm. Well, so this is so exciting, and this day in particular, so exciting, because this is the day that the Perseverance lands on Mars. 2.55 p.m., let's say we survive those seven minutes of terror. We know that this thing has safely landed. It's starting to send signals back. What's first on your agenda as you begin to, to go into the next phase of this mission? So first thing is to open a bottle of champagne uh, or, or bubbles just to celebrate the 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 feat which is to land a mission on Mars. And the next thing that's gonna happen is uh, the mission will go through commissioning, uh, which means that uh, engineers uh, in Pasadena, California are gonna be working day and night uh, to check that everything works. Uh, over, the next, uh, over the next few weeks, uh, uh, one thing that, uh, that is novel in this mission is that there is a helicopter. So the helicopter uh, for the first time will be uh, taking pictures of Mars from the air, uh, controlled air, uh, and uh, and then uh, we think that mid-March uh, we'll start getting the first scientific data, and this is the data that our team here uh, will be uh, helping to collect, but also and more importantly helping to interpret uh, mm. to to deliver the scientific uh, value that NASA is looking for. Well, I hope if you find that life on Mars that that you do think is there currently, that you will let our listeners be the first to hear about it. Can we hold you to that? If you invite me here, I'll be very happy to to share with everybody the good news. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. We are going to have you back, and I am waiting for news of this life on Mars. Pablo Sobron, uh, CEO of Impossible Sensing, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, the best of luck this afternoon. Thank you, Sarah. Pleasure. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.